0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, soul. Africa, amica na umay.
1: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine, the search channel Africa from an African perspective, coming to you live in Johannesburg, South Africa. We're on the frequencies 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa and on 11925 kHz on the 19-meter band to West Africa, as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu, in studio with Anne Musa, Wisani Matebula and Figile in our top stories, in Africa, rise and shine at the sour. Cameroon's Constitutional Council will today proclaim the results for the month's presidential election. And South African leaders call for their country to rid society of corruption. In sports news, England rugby coach Eddie Jones believes it's simple to beat the box. But first up, the news with Ansa.
2: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. At least 55 people have been killed in several days of intercommunal violence in northern Nigeria. Police say two people were killed in clashes between Muslim and Christian youths at a market in the town of Kusawan, Magani. A second attack by Christian youths on Muslims in the town led to further deaths. Many homes were burnt down, a curfew has been imposed and police have arrested 22 people involved in the violence. Army officials in the Democratic Republic of Congo say at least 13 people have been killed by rebels in an attack in the eastern town of Beni. The rebels, who are believed to be from the Allied Democratic Forces group, attacked army positions and abducted about eight children. Witnesses say they heard heavy gunfire in one of the neighborhoods. Beni is in the middle of an Ebola outbreak, which the Congolese authorities are trying to contain. The disease has killed more than 100 people in the district. The rebels have also killed two health workers. The trial of Nigerian pastor Timothy Mutoso will resume in the High Court in Port Elizabeth in South Africa's Eastern Cape Province this morning. The state indicated it would call the second witness. The first witness, 22-year-old Cheryl Zondi testified last week Umotoso allegedly groomed and raped her since she was 14 years old. Umotoso and two co-accused are facing 97 charges which include sexual assault, racketeering and human trafficking involving young girls and women. From the Jesus Dominion International Church, Veronica Furi reports.
3: Cheryl Zondi was the first witness to take the stand last week. She endured grueling cross-examination from defence lawyer Peter Doberman. She was allegedly sexually groomed and raped by Omotoso at the age of 14 years. She's not off the hook yet, as she will be recalled for further cross-examination after she has completed her second-year business management exams in Johannesburg. Court will, in the meantime, continue with a second witness. Protests are expected outside court and Minister in the Presidency for Women, Batabile Dlamini, will have a media briefing outside court.
2: Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison has given a national apology to victims of child sexual abuse. This follows a five-year inquiry which found thousands of children had suffered abuse in the nation's institutions over decades. The inquiry, which concluded last December, heard more than 8,000 testimonies from victims about abuse in organisations such as churches, schools and sports clubs. Hundreds of people gathered gathered to hear Morrison deliver the emotional address in Parliament.
0: Why were the cries of children and parents ignored? Why was our system of justice blind to injustice? Why has it taken so long to act? Why were other things more important than this, the care of innocent children? Why didn't we believe? Today we dare to ask these questions and finally acknowledge and confront the lost screams of our children.
2: And finally, Britain, France and Germany have condemned the killing of a Saudi journalist, Jamal Khashoggi, inside Saudi Arabia's consulate in Istanbul. In a joint statement, they denounced it in the strongest possible terms, now demanding an urgent clarification of the case. The Saudi foreign ministry says the whereabouts of Khashoggi's body were unknown. Saudi Arabia admitted last Friday that the journalist was killed inside its mission in Turkey during a fist fight. Many countries have questioned that account. That's the news headlines at eight thirty Central African Time.
0: Africa rise and shine. Africa zola.
4: Africa amuka na unai.
1: Cameroon's Constitutional Council will today proclaim results of the presidential election in which the incumbent President Paul Bia, who has been in power for 36 years, is expected to win. The results will be announced after the Central African State's Constitutional Council dismissed 18 petitions calling for the election that was marred by irregularities to be cancelled. reports from Yaoundé.
5: Maurice Camto of the Cameroon Renaissance Movement Party Joshua Osi of the main Social Democratic Front Party and Khabar Libby of the Universe Party argued in front of members of the Constitutional Council that the elections were marred by voter intimidation, violence and ballot stuffing and should be cancelled either totally or partially because the irregularities cast doubt over the election. The candidates who are expected to be declared unsuccessful today insisted that no voting took place in the restive english-speaking regions joshua Ossie said refusal to totally cancel the election indicated the french-speaking regions did not care about the war that has stopped elections from taking place in the
4: english-speaking regions what happened on the 7th of october 2018 was worth than anything witnessed before it was everything except an election I am here before you today to call on your powers call on the powers vested in you to recognize that the election for the office of president of the Republic must be national and accept the present government wants to make us understand that eight regions have seceded from two what happened on the 7th of october did not concern the cameroon for which i was a candidate it happened only in eight regions with the amount of fraud that all have witnessed and we have documented so far
5: defense counsel bonifestendam described as lies claims by the government and the elections management body elecam that elections were successful in the English-speaking regions Even though voter participation was low My lord, they don't know what they call ground zero That is the language They need to go there and test what is called ground zero You need to go to Batibou and confront the ADF forces Though with then guns You need to go to Le Bielum and confront the Red Dragons I won't hide it, my lord They have then guns But go
4: there and see what will come back alive Joshua Ossie called it a scam. This is why I urge that you render justice, not in the interest of one of the parties to this election, not in my own interest, but in the supreme interest of the Cameroonian people, and that you remind the government of Cameroon in your decision that the northwest and southwest regions are a full part of their one and indivisible
5: The Constitutional Council rejected the 18 petitions and said the candidate had no evidence. Ngole Ngole Elvis of the CPDM party, accused of rigging, said opponents of President Paul Bia knew they did not win and just wanted to give an impression Cameroon is not a true democracy. Whether it's a low vote or a high vote, it's still a vote. If anyone denies it, I think that that is intellectual dishonesty. But for someone to go to the extent of condemning a society to the point where you say you are a society where you hope to make a useful contribution to make it go forward. To say that society is an apartheid society, I think that it borders on not only intellectual dishonesty but a kind of um, uh, irresponsibility. Bia, who is expected to be declared winner today Monday, was Prime Minister for seven years beginning in 1975 then became president following the resignation of the Central African States first leader Amadou Ahijo. He has ruled Cameroon since November 1982 and is the oldest sub-Saharan African president after his neighbor Teodoro Obiangema of Equatorial Guinea in 2008 BIA revised the 1996 Constitution to remove presidential term limits allowing him to contest and win the 2011 election. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzuka in Yaoundé, Cameroon.
1: Namibia has agreed to support Kenya's bid for a slot as a non-permanent member of the United Nations Security Council, For the 2021-22 term, President Haig Gangob of Namibia announced in Nairobi on Friday. Gangob, who is in Kenya on a state visit, said the two countries enjoyed cordial relations and had confidence in Kenya's representation at the Security Council. President Uhuru Kenyatta said Kenya would use its term to push for reforms at the United Nations. Sarah Kimani reports.
6: It was a welcome befitting a head of state, a guard of honor and a 21-gun salute. Talks between President Kenyatta and Gengob touched on bilateral relations between the two nations. Trade took center stage, as did Kenya's bid for a non-permanent seat at the United Nations Security Council.
7: We have also, with my brother, reaffirmed our commitment to continued cooperation in global issues within multilateral areas, including pushing for Africa's position in U.N. reforms. I'm therefore aware
5: that despite the excellent bilateral cooperation between Namibia and Kenya in various fields, trade activities have been very minimal. Politically, we are doing very well. But trading is Africa's case. We don't trade within Africa.
6: Stringent visa rules between Kenya and Namibia were identified as one of the barriers to trade. While Namibian business people do not need to renew their visas every three months while in Kenya, it has been the opposite for their Kenyan counterparts. That has now been waived. Netumbo Nandi Daitua is the Foreign Affairs Minister for Namibia. We have people who want to come trade between Africa. There's no complaint when the Europeans are coming, but when it's Africans is when we see the threat. So we decide we are going to give them five years so that they can do their business without any hindrance. Kenya is pushing for reforms of the United Nations that will allow Africa two permanent seats at the United Nations Security Council, complete with all the attendant rights and prerogatives. Dr. Monica Juma is Kenya's Cabinet Secretary for Foreign Affairs.
8: We have seen Namibia in the UN Security Council. We have seen Namibia in contribution to peace and security. We've seen Namibia leading on the Women, Peace and Security agenda. And so we are together in this because we are going to serve not just Kenya, but the African continent and humanity.
6: The Security Council is made up of 15 members, five of them China, Russia, the United States, United Kingdom and France are permanent members, while 10 are non-permanent members and they are elected every two years. Sarah Kimani, Kenya.
0: This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite.
4: My name is Sipahot Stix Mabuse, a South African musician and an African artist for that matter. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Pambi.
6: My name is Yvonne
9: Chakachaka Chaka from South Africa, but Africa is my home. You're listening to Channel Africa. The
0: voice of the African Renaissance.
6: My
9: name is Habida, an African artist from Kenya, and you're listening to Channel Africa: The Voice of the African Renaissance heart,
1: say, yeah. South African leaders have been called on to rid society of corruption. this as the country celebrated the one hundredth. Centenary birthday of struggle icon Albertina Susulu under the theme A Woman of Fortitude Yesterday in Johannesburg. Archbishop of the Anglican Church, Reverend Tabo Makroba, has urged leaders to follow the discipline, value and integrity of Master Sulu. Khomozomopulani attended the celebrations and filed this report.
10: The 21st of October 2018, is what would have been the 100th birthday of me albertina sisulu had she lived various events have been hosted across the country to celebrate the life of the struggle icon ma sisulu as she's affectionately known was a political activist nurse and one of the most important leaders of anti-apartheid resistance in south africa who was also married to another struggle stalwart, walter sisulu her grandson moyikwa sisulu says his grandmother is a symbol for women's struggles in the country.
5: When we celebrate people like um, my grandmother, Albertina Sisulu, you celebrate her as a symbol, as a symbol of a broader movement, as a symbol and a representation of a broader collective. Her role stands out um, and symbolises the role of women the role of women in the darkest hours of our uh, country's history and the strength and resilience that uh, was required to keep our communities intact. It is unfortunate that we and women continue to fight for such equality, not only in society at large, in the workplace, and um, of course, you know, with issues of um, domestic violence and violence uh, against women and children. Those are things that I think people like my grandmother symbolized.
10: Delegates, dignitaries and members of the Sisulu family gathered at the Croesus Cemetery in Johannesburg early Sunday morning for a wreath-laying ceremony, thereafter celebrated her life in a special church service at the Holy Cross Anglican Church in Soweto. Archbishop of the church, Reverend Tabo Makoba, called on the country's leaders to rid society of corruption.
5: We need to support those who are courageously fighting corruption and greed in our country. The worst diseases in the world are not just AIDS, Ebola, or malaria. They include corruption. And while there might not yet be cures for the first three diseases, there is a cure for corruption. And that cure is transparency. As our leaders sit here in church today, please know that we, the church, stand with you if you say no to corruption.
10: Minister Jeff Khadebe, Chairperson of the Interministerial Committee on the Centenaries of Masisulu and former President Nelson Mandela, says the country's democracy has made important strides on women's emancipation.
7: Our democracy has made important strides, especially on women's emancipation. But like all other areas of socio-economic transformation, the backlogs still reflect the patterns of apartheid social, political and economic engineering. Precisely for this reason, that we still need women of fortitude to emulate Mama Sisulu, who saw a possibility for change against the tyranny of apartheid that had no hope for its people. Today is also an an occasion for our youth, both male and female, to learn from the lifelong stewardship of Mama Sisulu and her generation, some of whom are here today like Mama Sophie Dubrain. Hers was a generation that relentlessly fought for our freedom, justice and democracy.
10: is what the ruling African National Congress Deputy Secretary General, Jesse Duwate, had to say.
2: She feared no challenge. She was uh, constantly harangued by the apartheid regime, put in prison, banned. It didn't deter her. It didn't destroy her soul. And uh, a challenge should not destroy you, it should make you stronger.
10: Part of the celebrations of the day was also a symbolic walk to the Shanti Family Clinic, where Masisulu worked for many years. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Mpulane in Johannesburg.
1: The Jesus Dominion International Church, of which controversial rape accused Nigerian pastor Timothy Omotoso is the founder, has been the target of furious protesters this weekend. Various political parties and members of the public joined forces in a protest to have the church closed. They gathered in front of the church in South Africa's city of Port Elizabeth while a service was underway inside the church. They dispersed peacefully when the congregants left the building after a gathering of about two hours. Hours. Veronica Free reports.
3: There was a strong police presence while various political parties and the religious fraternity in the Nelson Mandela Metro stood together against the alleged illegal activities of which the JDI Church is accused of. Several congregants dressed flamboyantly, including teenagers and young children, were entering the Jesus Dominion International Church. The group of about 100 people was vocal about closing the church. Before dispersing, the crowd also vowed to have the large name board on the church building removed within a day. ANC Women's League coordinator Nontombi Maya says they condemn any form of patriarchy and want to save the women and girls who are part of the church by closing it.
11: We've come to shut down, we're clear,
3: we're shutting down
11: the church, and we are not going to leave until such time we get a response from the church leaders. We want to get in, we want to make that statement to them, and if they do not shut down, then they will suffer the consequence. It will be within the ambit of the law.
3: Andili Kalani of the EFF says they condemn the illegal actions allegedly happening in the church and do not want to suppress the church members. He says they are supporting a bigger cause.
8: We are angry and it must be stated that we are here to support the victims because we've seen the court proceedings that the victims are... Being victimized themselves, that they have our full support as the EFF and ANS and other political parties. And we we want to make it adamant that we are going to close this church, even if it means that we must get inside and remove these people outside. We are going to do that, and we're not scared of that.
3: The first alleged victim testifying in the sexual offenses trial of the controversial Nigerian pastor Timothy Omatoso and two others. Cheryl Zondi has written a public letter expressing her gratitude for all the support she receives. Zondi has been under intense cross-examination by defence lawyer Peter Doberman. Several organisations and the public supported her at court and on social media, commending her for being brave and coping fearlessly with the questions. She pleaded that the same level of fierce support must be kept for fellow survivors taking the stand. Meanwhile, two national ministers spoke out about the sexual offences against women and children. Transport Minister Dr Bladen Zamande and Basic Education Minister Angie Mocheka were speaking at the funeral of the late Eastern Cape Education MEC Mandla Makupula in East London.
5: Violence against women is something that all of us, women and men, must face together. As part of rebuilding our communities.
8: What is very close, I think, to our heart around the girl children, the Sheryl Zone the case. Any grooming of a young child is a criminal offense. Empower the girl child to make sure that they're not victims of patriarchy and its all and its cruel tendencies. And I know he was going to be leading the discussion.
3: In an exclusive interview with the SABC, a former JDI congregant says he believes Cheryl Zondi. He, the Nigerian national who wants to remain anonymous says he became suspicious of Omotoso's behavior with young girls. The man is full of himself. He likes women,
8: seducing women, sleeping with a lot of women, even the church members. I quit. Because what I saw there is a lot. He knows what is going on. They try to say
5: the man will tell you that he will die. They told me also that I will die. People are condemning us. It's not all of us It's like that. The man did wrong.
3: He must answer his case. He alleges that he received death threats from Omotoso after questioning the so-called man of God. A current congregant, Walter Makabasa, says Omotoso is being crucified... But he has not yet been found guilty of the alleged crimes. He says Omotoso turned his life around. God it
7: changed my
4: life, I was fighting for the freedom and then I
3: became a criminal. But Omotoso helped me a lot to know why, why I'm still living on earth. The Constitution and Bill of Rights clearly stipulate that one can practice faith and freedom of association openly, meaning people can have a right to gather and worship. The state is expected to bring a new witness as the trial of Omotoso and his co-accused resumes at the Port Elizabeth High Court. Meanwhile, it's alleged that several witnesses who would possibly be called to testify during the trial have received death threats. Veronica Fourier in Port Elizabeth.
1: The late South African struggle stalwart Eric Stalin Mjali has been hailed as an honest and principled leader who was guided by his love for people and not self-enrichment. In a moving tribute by Minister in the Presidency, Dr. Zanat Laminizuma, Mjali has been hailed as ethical, a quality which leaders of today must live by. These sentiments were also shared by SACP General Secretary Bladen Zimande. a struggle veteran was given a special official funeral at Claremont west of Durban. Nondjabulum Tungwa felt this report.
11: A send-off befitting a giant of the liberation struggle. People from all walks of life gathered to bid farewell to the men of steel as Eric Stalinim Jali was known. The veteran, once served in the ANC military wing, Umkondoe Sizwe under the late Chris Hani. 84-year-old Stalin, was also a trade unionist and he was one of the founders of the Densaktu Mjali, is the recipient of the National Order of Mendi in Silver, one of the accolades bestowed on citizens who have worked in the best interest of the country. Minister in the Presidency, Dr. Nkosazanat Lamin Zuma, delivered the ideology, She says today's leadership can learn from leaders like Mjali.
2: It is now upon us to pick up the spear and continue with the revitalization of our movement so that we may be united in action towards securing a better quality of life for our people. We owe it to his memory, we owe it to his dedication, we owe him a united and stronger organization in our country. Lala Wako,
11: Commissioner and Commander. SACP General Secretary Blade Zimande decried the tendency by some leaders who he said see their involvement in the liberation struggle as an entitlement to loot state resources.
5: Also, when we say goodbye to Babuncha, we need to remind. Apartheid is not a license that today you must use your position in the movement or in government to loot and enrich yourself.
11: Former President Jacob Zuma also paid a tribute to his lifelong friend and comrade Mjali. He described him as an embodiment of a leader who never confused his roles as a communist and as an ANC member. Mjali's only daughter Lindiwe described his father as a loving and a kind man who cared for the community of Clermont lindy says she is grateful to have had a father who made his mark in the liberation struggle for freedom
10: at home he was like any other ordinary father ours was a political home and i thought this was what normal families were it only dawned on me in grade 12 when my history teacher during a lesson excitedly asked if he was my dad and he could come and give us a lecture after the lecture I was so proud of my father's role in the liberation struggle. Apart from the SACP, his brand was the pipe and the linen cap. If there is one main lesson I will take and honor him with, is the importance of patriotism to one's country.
11: The World Federation of Trade Unions announced that it will honor Mjali by naming a prestigious award to an outstanding trade unionist. I'm Nonjabulum Tungwa in Durban. <laughs>
13: Channel Africa, Blantyre.
4: This is
5: Lansana Fofana, reporting for Channel Africa from Freetown. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzaka in Yaounde.
0: From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about
4: Africa.
1: In in Lesotho. Reporting for Channel Africa, Mwai
0: Konyo in Nairobi.
4: Join us every day and know what is happening around you.
0: Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
1: Our headlines up next with Anne Musa. A
2: very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. The headlines, rights groups call on Ethiopia's Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed to stop using repressive tactics once favoured by the previous leadership. The trial of Nigerian pastor Timothy Omutoso to resume in the High Court in South Africa's Eastern Cape Province. And Britain, France and Germany condemn the killing of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi inside Saudi Arabia's consulate in Istanbul. Those are the stories making headlines. Thank you
1: The first ever boys' assembly took place in Pinoni east of Johannesburg in South Africa yesterday. The Department of Social Development initiative has brought boys from the country's different provinces in efforts to combat the scourge of gender-based violence in the country. Zolega Kodashe attended the event and filed this report.
0: I feel like footprints on sand. Blown particle by particle by winds of destruction. My soul is evaporating, bent by the fires of guilt. I took my daughter and turned her into my woman. I took my girls to come and stay with me, tore them from their mothers by force, saying I do not want them to be endangered by men who would come into their mothers' lives. And they couldn't say a word. I am hollow
4: inside. Echoing the cries of Unto my daughter. Her tears have crystallized in my heart.
9: A scene from a play performed by the Seloma Giga Foundation mimicking South Africa's society. These ills are what has prompted the Department of Social Development in partnership with the South African National AIDS Council to host the first ever Boys' Assembly in Benoni, east of Johannesburg, yesterday. Aiming to mobilize boys to be part of the solution to transform existing gender imbalances and put an end to gender-based violence, the Assembly drew over 500 boys under the age of 18 from various provinces. To take part, the event is but one of the department's strategies in fighting gender inequalities in the country. Social Development Deputy Minister Henrietta Bokopane Zulu spoke out against the increasing number of cases related to gender based violence in the country.
11: What is the contribution of boys in making South Africa a better place? What is your contribution to the South Africa that we want? We want to leave this country. In the hands of men that won't beat their wives, of men that won't spread HIV, of men that won't be addicted to drugs, of
9: men that will take care of their children. Among the numerous battles that boys face, drugs surfaced as one of the challenges among the crowd. A 19-year-old boy from Bumalanga said he had used Nyaupe and CAT, two potent drugs known to lead to psychosis, panic attacks, and depression that may lead to suicide. The boy says he was smoking for more than three years.
0: The first time I smoked CAT
9: was after I had gotten too drunk. We were drinking. I smoked CAT and I got better. With Nyaope, I was with my friends and we were smoking marijuana. I am 19. I started in 2014 when I was 14. I no longer smoke because I left that group of friends. Child Protection Officer at UNICEF, Gloria Cosa, also says it is time to focus on the upliftment of the boy-child. Koza says now is the time to involve men and boys in the discussion. Boys are often left behind. We look at the girls and we've been trying to bring them up forward to ensure gender equality. But now we're also at a stage where we need to move together as men and boys. And it's an opportunity that all of us need to take with our hands and run with it because it's an opportunity where each and every one of your voices will be heard. And your voices is what's going to determine the future. You are men here coming to champion change. The assembly also raised more questions about absent fathers in the country. While it was a learning experience for many, some of the boys disclosed information about their roles as fathers. Earlier this year, Statistics South Africa revealed in their 2017 recorded births report that just over 60% of children born in the country last year had no details of fathers recorded at the time of birth. These boys, with the eldest being 20 years old, shared their children's ages in the packed auditorium. Only a few of them are allowed contact with their children.
8: My child is one year old. My son is two years old.
5: My two children are ten months.
8: My daughter is two years old.
5: My daughter is three years old. My son is two, two years old. My daughter is twenty-nine months. My daughter is two years old. My daughter, she's three months old. My son is two
9: years old. The department has also invited the boys to a men's award ceremony on the nineteenth of November to celebrate male role models. Zoleka Kotashi, Johannesburg.
1: The African Development Bank has approved Malawi's strategy paper for Malawi for 2018-2022 as part of efforts meant to boost economic diversification, reduce dependency on rain-fed agriculture, and build resilience. AFDB notes that the strategy paper will guide the bank's operations in Malawi with regards to its financial, technical, and knowledge assistance to the country. George Mungo reports.
13: The Malawi Strategy Paper 2018-2022 aligns with the Bank's Human Capital, Agricultural Transformation in Africa, Industrialization for Africa and Jobs for Youth in Africa Strategies. It also operationalizes the Bank's high five priorities. As at October 2018, the Bank's active portfolio in Malawi covered 15 operations totaling slightly over $308 million. Representatives of the Bank say... The Malawi Strategy Paper 2018-2022 will also modernize longest low levels of industrialization, infrastructure gaps in energy, lack of diversification, limited sources of export revenue, and low financial intermediation. The new five-year plan builds on the bank's previous Malawi Country Strategy Paper 2013-2017 and will advance corporate strategies and the country's most pressing development needs detailed. In Malawi's growth and development strategy 3 the African Development Bank observed that subdued agricultural output and increased maize import caused by two consecutive years of drought was responsible for the 2016 slump in economic growth to 2.7% Malawi's economic growth however rebounded to 5.1% in 2017 owing to a recovery in agricultural production the bank's interventions will thus build on ongoing positive developments in the domestic environment, driving economic transformation and small industry to support diversification and last decent and formal job creation. But for the Malawi Economic Justice Network, which is the economic watchdog, thinks the government needs to do more. Dali Sokubalasa is the executive director.
8: Because the the amount of uh, uh, debt that we've accumulated And what is worrying is a lot of it is actually domestic debt, which is very, very, very expensive.
13: The strategic blueprint is articulated around two main strategic pillars focused on further development of the country's energy, transport, agriculture and water sectors. Through these pillars, the bank will aim to strengthen the foundations for private sector development by unlocking private and public investment promoting diversification, building economic resilience to reduce poverty and address rising income inequalities across the gender divide. For Gudo Gonbre, Minister of Finance, Economic Planning and Development in Malawi, he remains optimistic, saying this is also enshrined in the country's current financial plan.
5: That, uh, we are
13: uh, we are now we're now normalizing uh, this economic situation, financial
4: situation. We are really going to embark on a very very aggressively uh, growth growth uh, path.
5: Uh, we, we try to get as much investment as possible, uh, so that the country can
4: start growing uh, more more robust.
13: Malawi's strategy paper was developed through consultation with the government of Malawi, the private sector, civil society, and other development partners. Based on these successful engagements, the government has expressed great bank participation in its knowledge management, transportation, macroeconomic, and policy reforms agenda. The impact of the two upcoming events on the country's macroeconomic outlook, the 2018 population and housing census, and 2019 elections have also been factored into the design of the country's strategy, according to the bank. Stillmore, Majin's executive director, Dariso Kubalasa, wants Malawi to refrain from donor dependency.
8: The concerns, huge concerns about debt. So when you've been hearing us talking about the debt, it's not just about getting the attention, it's about this, because this is something that we're passionate about, and part of the decision you know point for the qualification as a hippie it was because there was a notion of uh, this, these strategies they were saying no, no 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 we'll gradually
13: be forgiving your debt of late malawi has received positive reviews from various multilateral financial institutions including the international Monetary fund for prudent public financial management Inflation is a single digit while exchange rate, commodity and fuel prices have relatively been stable in the past four years. George Mohango, Channel Africa Blanca.
1: It's safe to say that having poor phone signal can be one of modern life's biggest annoyances. In Ghana, a recent report has projected that the country's mobile phone subscription will hit about 40 million by 2020. But accessing good network signal in many parts of the country is still a huge challenge. Residents in a remote part of northern Ghana have found an unusual solution to staying connected. The BBC's Thomas Nadi reports from northern Ghana.
8: Belisinha is a two-hour drive from the northern regional capital, Tamale. It's a community of about 50 residents and the majority of them have mobile phones. But it's been very difficult to make and receive calls here. 40-year-old Abubakar Al-Hassan
3: lives here. Getting
12: access to mobile phone network signals is a big problem. All the people around here are searching for a signal. At times, if you want to reach a friend or a loved one, it's extremely difficult. The sad aspect of it is when a pregnant woman develops complications or if someone is seriously sick, it can be very frustrating to get through to an ambulance.
8: But the villagers have found an unusual solution to their connectivity problem. A big tree located in the heart of this village has become their lifeline. From afar, it looks like an ordinary tree, serving as a meeting point for residents here to gather and socialise. But a closer look reveals something else. They are behaving a bit strangely. I can see about 20 people under the tree, making and receiving calls. Some of them have tied their phones into branches of the tree. Others have climbed it, in a desperate move to get network connectivity. Hello. The tree is this community's main mobile network Radio. connectivity point. It's 3 p.m. local time and the search for mobile network begins. Time and patience is of essence here. To residents, exactly how this seemingly magic mobile tree works is hardly important. But it's become a central beacon here. This
13: tree means a lot to us. The whole village depends on it because it's the only spot we can get access to mobile network signals to make and receive calls. So we take proper care of the tree. If this tree should fall, this village is doomed.
9: We cannot make phone calls in this village. We don't know why the calls frequently drop. This is the only spot we can make and receive calls.
8: Back in Accra, Tony Hassan, a telecommunications engineer, explained how the tree's conductive powers might work.
12: Typically such locations are quite far from a cell site and so the
5: community will feed off a reflector signal.
1: That report by the BBC's Thomas Nadi. Our economics update up next with Sani Matebula.
12: Thanks, Lulu. Good morning. Zimbabwe aims to clear its two billion U.S. dollar arrears with the World Bank and African Development Bank in the next 12 months after securing the support of international creditors and donor countries. The southern African country struggled to access international credit since defaulting on its debts to global lenders two decades ago and running up areas of nearly six billion U.S. dollars. Finance Minister M'Tuling Nubes says the arrears clearance program is backed by the United States, which maintains sanctions against Zimbabwe. South Africa's Finance Minister Tito Mboweni says the country's power utility, ESCOM, will probably need to shed over 30,000 jobs as it is bloated. As it prepares to deliver its maiden medium-term budget speech on Wednesday, the minister appears to be gunning for the wage bill and bloated structure of the public service and state-owned enterprises. Bowen mentioned this while delivering the second Cardio Asmal annual lecture in Cape Town.
5: The public sector being the civil service and state-owned enterprises bloated. So there's no room there. In fact, if you take an organization like ESCO, they probably need to lose about 30,000 jobs because the organization is bloated. The salary bill is consuming so much, not leaving much for infrastructure.
12: South Africa's transport and logistics peristatal Transnet is searching for a new CEO that will lead in a responsible manner. This follows the dismissal of CEO Sia Gama after being implicated in a misconduct and maladministration in the acquisition of locomotives from a Chinese rail company in 2012. Transnet board says Gama failed to adhere to the October 15th deadline to provide reasons why his contract should not be terminated. Non-executive board member Transnet Mpole Tape says the possibility of court action exists.
2: That possibility exists. We do not have the confidence and we do not have the trust that he will be able to lead this organisation going into the future in a manner that will get transmitted to be run properly and to be run adequately. We are looking for somebody that will be able to discharge the uh, fiduciary responsibilities, somebody that will lead the organisation. In a manner there really is no doubt that the person will take the organisation to where it needs to get to.
12: A hearing in the court case between MTN and Nigeria Central Bank in a dispute over the alleged transfer of 8.1 billion US dollars of funds by the telecoms firm has been set for October 30th. MTN has denied claims that it depleted Nigeria's forex reserves. Nigeria is MTN's biggest market and accounts for a third of its annual core profit. The Nigerian Central Bank said it's a counterclaim to the court that MTN contributed to depleting Nigeria's reserves through the purchase of dollars via unapproved certificates. MTN has denied any wrongdoing. And Pan African Banking Group or a group plans to raise hundred and one million US dollars via the largest ever initial public offering on the Abidjan Stock Exchange in Côte d'Ivoire. The group which operates in twelve countries in West Africa and Central Africa will list twenty percent of its e- equity by listing six million new and seven point eight million existing shares at a price of $7 per share. The capital increase will be used to fund growth and the underwriting will take place from November uh, this year while uh, the final listing is scheduled for February 2019. Financial indicators are uh, the dollar, 10.49, Botswana Pula, 11.74, Zambian kwacha, BRICS currencies, the dollar at 3.7, Brazilian real, 6.548 Russian ruble, 7.322 2, Indian rupee, 6.93 Chinese yuan, and 14.36 South African rand. Also trading at 7.6 pence to the British pound and 87 cents against the euro. Commodities now gold $1,227, platinum $828 per fine ounce, brand crude oil at $80.49 per barrel. That's your economics news right now.
1: A sports update up next was Fig Lelingwati.
0: In this hour, we begin with uh, football news. South African national women's football team, Banyana Banyana, have been handed a tricky draw in the 2018 Total Africa Women's Cup of Nations held on Sunday in Accra in Ghana. Banyana are Group B along with the defending champions Nigeria as well as Zambia and Kenya and they will be based in the coastal city of Cape Coast. Banyana Banyana opened their campaign against the Nigerians on the 18th of November, just a day after Wafana Wafana would have played the Super Eagles in the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations qualifier at FNB Stadium in Johannesburg. In Group A, hosts have been drawn against Cameroon, Mali and Algeria in the Group A and will play their matches in the capital Accra. The tournament kicks off on the 17th of November with the Black Queens of Ghana up against Algeria at the Accra Sports Stadium. The top three teams will qualify for the World Cup to be held in France in June next year. And on to motor racing, Britain's Lewis Hamilton was kept awaiting for his fifth Formula One World Championship last night after the Mercedes driver finished third in a U.S. Grand Prix won by Ferrari Kimi Raikkonen.
11: Well, firstly, a big congratulations to uh, to Kimi, you did a great job today, no mistakes. He uh, had a great start and managed it all the way. So I think on our behalf, uh, also uh, um, uh, Staffman did a, a great job as well. I mean, he was um, he was on a slightly better tire than us at the end, so it naturally a bit of a struggle. Um, I, d- I naturally thought we would have been able to do better, but this is the best that we were able to do at the end. Did Ooh. you win the championship? Mm-hmm. Or? No. <laughs>
6: <You can't laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs>
0: The victory was the 39-year-old Finn's first since the Australian Grand Prix of March 2013, a gap of 113 races dating back to when he was racing for Lotus and 21st of his career.
7: Yeah, I think it was uh, obviously coming in at the right time and having enough tyres on both, both times. So it was a bit balancing act, but we did it pretty well, well enough to, to, to win. And so, yeah, it was, uh, was a great and good battle. So I think that's what uh, we all want as the drivers and also as the as people here.
0: Rugby News England head coach Eddie Jones believes it's pretty simple to beat the Springboks as the two sides go head to head at Twickenham next month. The Springboks opened their European tour on Saturday in London. That's the 3rd of November when they face England for a fourth time this year. The Springboks won the incoming series against Jones' men by 2-1 in June. Meanwhile, Springboks head coach Rassie Rasmus named his preliminary Springbok squad of 20 on Sunday for the forthcoming tour to the United Kingdom and France. Dwayne Fermielen, Trevor Nyakane and Ruud Yaga making a return to the group while Tendai Mdawarira was ruled out of the tour due to injury. Erasmus will announce the full Springbok Tour squad for the 2018 outgoing tour after next Saturday's Curry Cup final when Western Province hosts the Sharks in Cape Town. Lastly, South African rugby side Sharks coach Robert Duprier says they have learned valuable lessons from last year's Currie Cup final, which will place them in good stead for next weekend's final against Western Province. Duprier says they will need to use their opportunities, and that discipline will be important if they are to win the game in Cape Town. Duprier speaking after his team's 33-24 win against the Golden Lions in the semi-finals in Devon.
2: I think you, you, in in um, in any finals, you know the the team. uh, You know I always say the team that
0: uh, sounds like a cliche, but the team that takes their chances, use their opportunities, and and the discipline is really good on the day. And I thought our discipline was was great, especially in that first half. You know, in finals, you guys can remember the All Black, uh, uh, the World Cup final against France. They only conceded three penalties. That's the type of discipline you need to look uh, to look at. That's your sport news this hour. Africa rise and shine. Africa zulu. Africa
4: amuka na unai.
1: Recapping our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, Cameroon's Constitutional Council will today proclaim the results for this month's presidential election. And South African leaders call for their country to rid society of corruption. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. From myself, Lulu Gabu, Producers Lebo Technical Producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info Tweet us at Rise Shine Africa or WhatsApp on 277-6300327. taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa is Bayete with a track titled Mangwane.